Okay, um, so today's Bible reading is from Matthew, um, from Matthew chapter 6, and we're reading verses 19 to 34. So if you want to follow in the Black Bibles, it's on page 1508. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendour, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's great to be with you again as we uh, keep looking at Matthew's Gospel. You've, you've met my better half, by far uh, better half. It's been a great joy. It's a great joy actually to work in partnership together in the Gospel. God's been very kind to us over so many years and uh, it's a, a great, great joy to keep serving together. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter 6, we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Let me, let me pray that God in his kindness will speak, speak to our minds and hearts. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you're God who does speak. And Father, we pray that as we reflect on your word now, uh, that you'll help us to, uh, to hear it, uh, to take it on board, to be challenged in our, our thinking and our priorities, uh, but also to be challenged at the level of our, our hearts and our actions, our priorities. Father, we ask that uh, you will graciously keep shaping us more like your son. Father, we pray it in his name. Amen. So this part of the, section, this part of the Bible that we turn to this morning, uh, three times Jesus makes this comment. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Do not worry about your life. Then again in verse 31, so do not worry. Then you get to verse 34, therefore do not worry. Right, just in case you're thick 
I think is the reason he's doing it, right? Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. So when, when you hear that commendation, don't worry, right? What, what do you find yourself thinking? And I think you may as well say, stop breathing, right? I mean, worry, worry is just so endemic in life, isn't it? It's just part of the warp and woof of our existence. How can you live free from worry? I mean, there's so many things to worry about. Uh, anyone who's involved in the economy just the last couple of weeks, they're out, the bottom's fallen out of the all lords and the local stock market, it's lost, I don't know, someone said 8% in the last couple of months or something, or, you know, but it's just, it's just crashing and people are saying, should you buy a house, shouldn't you buy a house, you know, the, you know some people say the prices in Adelaide are going, no, they're going down, certainly they're going down elsewhere, you know, so what, you know, what do you do uh, when it comes to those sort of questions? Uh, some of us have got kids, so we perennially worry about our kids. Some of us have parents, and we perennially worry about them and what's happening. There. Some of us are caught in between and do both, you know. Like, there's all sorts of worries and concerns that we have as a result of living this life. Some of us have deep concerns about our jobs. Will we have a job? Um, if we have a job, uh, the problems that we have in that job relationally, there, there are all sorts of issues that we're constantly struggling with and concerned about. Do I have enough money to live on? Do I have enough money to retire on? You know, do I have enough money to survive? Don't worry. I mean, how can you say that when Donald Trump is the president of the United States? You know, like, you know, don't worry. the whole world is worried, right? Like, worry is just sort of part of life. And so, when you hear those words, you might think, "Oh, that's that's just un, unrealistic." Maybe what Jesus should have said is, yeah, well, try and keep your worry to a minimum, right? Keep it under control, you know. I mean, wouldn't that have been a more sort of sensible approach to this sort of issue? Don't worry. Okay, well, I want you to remember the setting for this instruction not to worry. We're in the Sermon on the Mount, sorry, Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7. Jesus is presenting all sorts of challenging words for his disciples, for his followers, what it means to follow him. At the heart of the Sermon on the Mount is uh, the prayer that we looked at last week from chapter 6, verses 9 uh, through to chapter, uh, verse 15. Uh, it's often called the Lord's Prayer, the centre of a driving conviction and purpose for a disciple is to remember that you're able to call upon God who is a heavenly Father. We have a God who sovereignly rules over all the universe, but we're in an amazing position where we get to address him as father. Now, if you've been a Christian for a while, you might take that for granted, that amazing privilege of having a personal relationship with a loving and caring father in heaven, not just one who rules. Just if you've got, got questions about how special it is, just talk to a Muslim sometime. Uh, just talk to a, a Hindu. Just talk to any number of world faith believers who have a belief in God, but not a God who cares for them, who is a loving heavenly father. It's an amazing privilege, the Lord's Prayer. We're secure in the hands of the loving heavenly father at all times. Then after the Lord's Prayer, what we get is a series of do nots, right? do not statements. We, we saw one before the Lord's Prayer last week, that is, don't be a hypocrite. But straight after this prayer, verse 16, don't look miserable when you fast. 
Verse 19, don't store up treasure on earth. Verse 25, don't worry. And then next week we'll look at this in chapter 7, verse 1. Don't judge. Okay. Do not, do not, do not, do not. All flowing from our conviction about who God is. What I want to look at today is particularly two of those do nots. Uh, Do not store up treasure for yourself on earth and do not worry. Don't store up treasure on earth, do not worry. And I want to try and show you how I think those two do nots connect together, actually, the way they they roll in together and unfold together. So let's look at it. Uh, From verses 19 to 24, what we come to is really the, the top priority. Don't store up treasure in this world, but rather store up treasure in heaven. Look again, verses 19 to 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Don't be a materialist. That's the simple statement being made here. Don't make stuff in this world your focus. Instead, what you to do is have a positive investment strategy that competes with it. Instead of investing in this world and being a materialist, you invest in heaven. There's no rust, no erosion, no inflation, no thieves, solid, enduring, lasts forever. So, it's an easy statement, do this, don't do that, right? (laughs) But then, if you're smart, you then think through, well, how do I do it? How do I actually uh, put that into practice? And so Jesus tells you how to do it, verse 22. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Uh, It's like the eyes being the, the windows that let in understanding. It's that sort of picture. If you went to the Old Testament to a place like Psalm 119, verse 15, the psalmist says, I will meditate on thy precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. It's that sort of idea. The sort of focus of my attention occupies my steps and my life, my thoughts, my ambitions, vision. So who do you serve? Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one, love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. In the ancient world, you could be a master of more than one slave, but you could only ever be a slave to one master. And that is the point that's being made here. If you're a Christian, you can serve God or you can be a materialist. That is, you can be caught up in this world and what is involved in this world. But Jesus is saying you cannot do both. It's actually an impossibility to have two to have a foot in both camps, to serve two masters, to have two competing people or worldviews vying for attention. Understand what Jesus is saying here. 
he is calling for exclusive heart commitment. Exclusivity. But you might say to me, look, it, it, um, it can't be that simple. Like, it, it isn't that simple. You know, it just doesn't seem to work that way. We have to live in a material world. And often the issues aren't quite so black and white. So how do I, I do this? How do I actually put this into practice, only having one master? Now, there are a whole lot of ways Jesus could have gone about this. He could have given you a whole lot of rules, you know. He could have said, okay, you know, for those of you who are on more than $50,000 income, what I want you to do is to make sure you're not attached to your money. Uh, for that first 50000 give 10%, and then everything over 50000 up to eighty-five. I want you to give 37.5%, and everything over eighty-five. just give it all away, okay? That'll guarantee you're never attached to money, right? Except it wouldn't. Right? You'd just be thinking about all the money you're giving away. You know? But you know, like Jesus could have given us a series of rules about how to do it, but he doesn't. He helps us to explore the heart issue that drives it. See, how do you know if your heart and your treasure are in the wrong place? How would you work it out? If your focus is wrong, your eyes are focused on the wrong thing. How to do it? Well, Jesus is enormously helpful. He says, let me run a test past you. What do you worry about? What do you worry about? Because if I can put my finger, Jesus says, on what you worry about, then I'll know where your heart is. So that's why he goes on and now starts to explore this whole question of worry. Because essentially what he's saying is worry is having a misplaced heart. Verses 25 to 34. Three times Jesus says, do not worry. Now, before I jump into it, let me talk to you about what he's not talking about. Just put a few things to one side. When he says, don't worry, uh, there are some of us who actually have diagnosed or even undiagnosed anxiety disorders. Okay, He's not saying, don't be sick. He's not saying don't be unwell when it comes to that sort of preoccupation. And we live in a world where it is a wonderful gift to be able to have medical advice that helps us deal with some of those sorts of issues, right? Jesus is not talking about that sort of issue. Although, let me say, the words that Jesus speaks here are probably going to help all of us, no matter where we're coming from, to feel more secure and settled as we live in this world, right? Not talking about that sort of thing. Is Jesus saying... Every worry is wrong, okay? All worry is out of place. I don't think he's saying that either. One of the reasons for that is if you read through, say, Paul the Apostle and his letters to the churches in the New Testament, there are a number of times where he talks about his concern or his anxiety for the people in in the churches that he's writing to. Go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 20, where Paul talks about sending uh, Timothy to the Philippians because of his concern for them. So he's not saying every worry is wrong. He's particularly talking about misplaced worry, worry that's in the wrong spot. Third thing he's not saying, he is not saying be irresponsible. He's not saying don't worry, give up your job, go on the dole, just kick back and relax, go on a commune and enjoy life. He's He's not saying be 
irresponsible. There there are some people who, when they hear this sort of instruction, you know, they think, wow, I'm such... I'm such a relaxed person, you know, I never get stressed about anything or worried about anything, you know, and <laughs> I'm just cruising through life, not, not caring, I don't plan for tomorrow. Jesus is not commending irresponsibility, right, at this point. Don't, don't hear him wrong. The fourth thing he's not saying is, don't ever feel anxious. Right? When you, Jesus says, do not be anxious, and you think, well, obviously I'm not allowed to be anxious ever. Understand he's not saying that. Anxiety is a natural response to situations in life. When Jesus says, do not be anxious, hear him saying, don't go on being anxious. Right? Anxieties will arise. Whether you're handling them from a kingdom perspective is a question of how you deal with anxiety. Some anxiety will be triggered because you've got a wrong focus. Some anxiety you retain because you retain that wrong focus. I think it's that ongoing lack of ability to deal with misplaced heart anxiety that Jesus has in mind at this point, okay? just want to put some of those things in place. Now, let's tuck in. Jesus is focusing on what should and shouldn't occupy our concerns. He's saying, what is your focus in this world? So the antidote to worry is having right perspective there is more to life than matter so from verses 25 to 30 what we have is jesus almost doing a nature study he sort of studies the world the animals the fields agriculture to help us understand the nature of worry and effectively what we get from verses 25 to 30 is birds and plants that preach to us about God's care. Uh, the, the, the created order are preaching to us. Verse 25. Don't worry about what you eat or drink or what you wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothing? Now, these are really helpful words in a world where we have, you know, Master Chef and My Kitchen rules. Right? We've got a great preoccupation with food. It's very helpful to us in a world where we throw away perfectly good wardrobe items because they're actually no longer in fashion, okay? Now, you're obviously looking at me, you think you don't have that problem, Paul. This is true. No, okay, I get that, you know, okay. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more valuable than they are? Do you get the point? When was the last time you saw kookaburras out driving the tractor? <laughs> like it, it's a, it's, Jesus is telling it. It's a funny sort of illustration in terms of the way he's putting it across. Verse 28, when it comes to clothes, the lilies of the field, they don't labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, you know, the great king the wealthy king of the old testament not even solomon was dressed like one of these god feeds the animals he clothes nature in a splendid way won't your heavenly father who cares so much more about you who sent his son to give his life for you Do you think he won't care for you? Really? 
That's the point Jesus is making. You see, if you worry about stuff, then you don't believe that God cares for you. If you worry about stuff, then you don't believe you're important and loved by God. But then you might say to me, ah, yeah, but look, there's a hole in Jesus' logic, you know. Uh, Pete LaForest comes up to me before church or after church. He says, yeah, I heard your sermon, but on the way here to church, I ran over a sparrow and killed it, you know. And, uh, you know, God wasn't looking after the sparrow, was he? You know, or last year I was out driving in the country, there was a drought. All the wildflowers that God cares for dead right beside the road, right? You know, sort of. How does that feature in what Jesus is saying here? Now, understand, just in case you're confused at this point, right? Jesus is not saying you're not going to die, right? And Jesus is not stupid. Not that I think he thought he was, but he, Jesus is not stupid enough as he gives this study on nature to think that the animals that he's talking about or the crops in the field are not going to die. Like Jesus gets this, right, very clearly. So there's not a, sorry, I'm not picking on you, Pete. Pete didn't say that to me, right, you know, but you, know, but you understand, Jesus actually does get it. But listen to the point he's making, verse 32. The pagans, they run after all these things. They worry about all these things. Do you understand, materialism is not just uh, what you stick in the bank or what you wear or anything like that. Materialism is a whole world view that this world is all there is. And that you, you hold that view, and many Christians, I think, hold that view, even though they believe in a God, and they believe there's more to life than this world. But in practice, they think this world is all there is. And Jesus is coming across that view. I heard a story about a, a man whose wife, wife died, leaving a young daughter behind. And as he spoke at the funeral, he explained to the people who gathered that his young daughter had asked him in the lead up to the funeral, uh, where is mummy now? And he explained to those friends and family who gathered that he said to his daughter, mummy doesn't exist anymore. Now, I don't think I've heard a better definition of materialism in a long time than that one. This is all there is, nothing more. And Jesus is pushing back. See, even in the face of death, God has absolute control. He's ordained the years of your life. Verse 27, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life or um, the idea is a single cubit if you look at the footnote in your bible it says single cubit to your height but i think it's more likely a single cubit to your step uh, to the distance you will travel in this world cubits about um, uh, a third of a meter right so you hear what jesus is saying who of you by worrying can add that much to his life you can't God has absolute authority over your existence. You will not take a half a step more than God's determined. There's a former uh, principal of this Bible college called Brian Hardman. 
uh, Brian had a um, really bad arthritic condition. He used to go to the church in town. And I was on the door one morning when people were coming out of church and a woman who'd been getting treated for cancer for a number of years uh, was talking to me as she came out just about her concerns and where it was all up to and the latest bout of treatment. And Brian was right behind her. Brian could be straightforward. Um, he was a very direct man. And uh, he, he said to her, I'll change the name. He said, he's crippled a little. I remember I was watching him. He said, he said, Mary, he said, you will not die one second before the Lord determines or one second afterwards. Just like that, he was, he was that old, right? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I remember thinking, this is not particularly pastorally sensitive, Brian, right? <laughs> but, you know, it seemed to do the trick. It actually arrested the woman and caused her to think, yeah, that is true. Your life from go to woe is in the hands of the Lord. But you might say to me, yeah, Paul, but you don't, you don't get my troubles. You don't get my concerns. Um, I'm not particularly worried about dying. I'm not that worried about how much food I've got or the clothing, you know, on my back. What I'm worried about is my kids or their education or my employment or how I'll pay the bills or, or maybe you do have some significant life-threatening illness uh, that's come to mind that's come across your pathway this week. Maybe you do have ageing parents. I don't know what your concerns are. But in the end, isn't that just materialism? In reality? Isn't it just being concerned about the things of this world and things that at the end of the day are not going to last? Jesus is he's pushing back and he's saying, do you, believe, do you believe you have a father in heaven who rules the world and cares for you? Do you believe it? Friends, when you do that, you can begin to put your focus on and you can invest in what really does matter. Verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Be concerned about what endures for eternity, uh, not what's confined to this world. Now, it seems to me this is, this is a really timely world, uh, word for us um, in all sorts of different ways. I think it's a great word for those of us who worry. Uh, you might be someone who actually worries about lots of stuff, most things. Some of us are just wired that way. We tend to drift in that sort of direction and we get quite, quite disturbed and un unsettled, not knowing what's about to happen in different situations. Now, understand Jesus is not saying don't plan and don't act as you think about the future in this world. He's not saying that at all. Don't be wise. But he is saying 
do not assume the mantle of being God. Right? Do not be a Christian atheist. And I know that's a contradiction of terms, but there are lots of Christians who live as if they're practical atheists. That is, they have a true and theoretical belief in God, but then they, they figure that God's actually left them to do all the heavy lifting in this world. Which, of course, is a, it's a stupidity, really. I learned my pastoral techniques from Brian Hardman, right? But it's, <laughs> do you understand? It's just, it just doesn't make sense to live that way, to pretend that you are God or to assume that role. And you'll naturally find it quite stressful if you do. So what's the tricky thing with trying to be God? You're not cut out for it. You aren't God. Friends, do not stress over the things that those who do not have a loving, sovereign, heavenly Father stress about. You do have that loving, heavenly Father. Do not stress like them. Understand that really clearly. Fill your mind and your focus and your heart with the promises of God and his word and the assurances that he makes to us and his perspective on what counts for all eternity. I fill your heart in that way. I'm not saying it is easy and I think the challenges change at different stages of life. So I still gave you a bit of a synopsis of you know, we became Christians as university students and then we've gone through various phases. And let me say, I think every phase of life has different concerns. You know, I, I think I can genuinely say to you that financially I did not have worries about money, uh, you know, for the first 10 years or so of being married, even though I had very little money. I'll tell you why. It's because I didn't have kids, <laughs> And then strangely it was that when I had kids, even though I'd not worried about me missing out, I started worrying about them missing out. Isn't that interesting? And I had to deal with that and come to terms with that sort of reality. And I think for me, the kids have been the area where God's had to sift me constantly uh, because often I would, I think, impose materialistic concerns for them in this world. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, some of you will know we had a, um, we still have a, <laughs> a son uh, who had chronic fatigue for about 10 years from late high school uh, through to beyond graduation. And uh, I remember thinking about the way in which that would uh, cut across his capacity to, to work and to earn and to be independent and to marry and to you know, all, all those sort of concerns that I would worry about. And then I, I remember when we were on a, we're on a conference one weekend, he was on that conference and he was interviewed and I didn't know he was going to get interviewed. And he talked about the way in which this was while he was still in the chronic fatigue phase, the way in which God had used that just to shape him more like his son So I, I heard his testimony. I felt quite rebuked because I thought uh, I, I actually had um, a materialism that was operating my ambitions for him, uh, but God in his sovereign 
and loving kindness had just overruled. Now, I don't know what it'll be for you. Each one of us will have different sorts of challenges, uh, different sorts of areas, but I take it that all of us will will need to deliberately bring this word of God to bear on those areas where you're tempted to be anxious and to struggle and to actually adopt a materialistic worldview rather than uh, the worldview of God as a loving Heavenly Father and his eternal priorities for us as we live. I'm not sure it'll be for you. It's a timely word for those of us who worry. But friends, even if you're the most carefree and happy-go-lucky person in the whole world, uh, can I say this this is a word for all of us? Um, I, I just don't know the uncertain future that you'll face or the question marks that you have over your life right now or you will in the future. But friends, do not, do not worry like those who don't have a heavenly father. Uh, don't worry in that way. This was, um, this was really brought home to me when uh, I went and visited Steph, our return missionary from Central Asia. Uh, she came back uh, 33 years of age from the mission field doing a great work in Central Asia. And uh, she contracted cancer, bowel cancer. It was looking treatable, but then went from bad to worse. And I remember catching up with her in the hospital and she talked about what she was concerned about, what she was worried about. And uh, Steph often did this. She told stories to make her points. She said, when I was in uh, Central Asia, I had a driver and my driver contracted uh, bowel cancer and he died fairly quickly. He said, I've come back to Australia, I had bowel cancer and I've been given the best possible medical treatment anyone can get. He said, so you understand the big difference between me and my driver back in Central Asia? It is not that I have outstanding medical treatment and he had none. It is that I have a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and he didn't. You see, here is someone who is worried about the right things, not the wrong things. Um, some of you would have been at Steph's funeral earlier this year. And she's absolutely right. She died secure in that relationship with her loving Heavenly Father. Uh, but the man who drove her car in Central Asia didn't. Friends, we are surrounded in this city by the walking dead. Adelaide's a terrific place to live. It has a wonderful standard of living, excellent medical care, all sorts of terrific things about life. But you know, the one thing that sets it apart, that matters, is the fact that most people in this city do not know that they have a loving Heavenly Father who cares for them, like we do. And when that truth just seeps into your very being, 
It is the thing that you do worry about in the right sense. You share the heart of God and his concern for lost people. Friends, don't worry about what the unbelieving world around you worries about. Do not worry like they do. But instead, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things they'll be given to you as well. Can I pray for us? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that uh, you are a loving Heavenly Father. You're the one who rules heaven and earth, the one we can trust in, the one who does forgive us our sins, the one who protects us, not from uh, trials in this world, but one who protects us for eternity. And Father, we pray that you will help us not to be people who worry like those who have no Heavenly Father who, who cares for them, but there will be people who profoundly trust in you and your goodness and kindness and are secure in our walk with you both now and for all eternity. Heavenly Father, we commend ourselves into your care and your keeping. Uh, Thankful that you are the one who looks out for his children. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. First question was, uh, what are some of the ways you manage ministry or life concerns, anxieties in your own life? Okay, so what do I do when I've got those sort of things? Um, let me just step back a bit. Uh, the focus in the passage is on anxieties that are tied into a closed worldview rather than a worldview that actually includes God as a sovereign and loving Heavenly Father. Okay, so it's the anxiety about closed world things uh, rather than the kingdom concerns. That is, I take it, and I mentioned Paul the Apostle, we are meant to be uh, concerned for numbers of things, but they're the things that God is concerned about. But we're not concerned in a way that says, step back, God, I'll take over uh, as well, even in those sort of areas. So those, those are two-thirds. So when it comes to uh, the ways I manage it, the, I think one of the critical things is that uh, I spend time praying about them, so I think prayer, you know, it's, I think that's why it's in the middle of Matthew chapter 6 there because it actually gives you a benchmark for asking whether you do think you have a loving Heavenly Father or not. Do you call out to him? Um, do you think he is sovereign? You'll pray to him. You know, so prayer is, I think, not just therapeutic. It actually is calling on the one who can do something about it. So I think that would be the most critical thing to be thinking about. I think for me, I just need to keep shaping my mind and heart according to the scriptures. Um, so if, if I step away from allowing God to feed my priorities and thinking, I'll inevitably just adopt other voices in the world that generally won't push me in that direction. So that there are a couple of thoughts that I have. I find being able to sit down and talk with Sue in particular uh, about stuff that I'm stewing on is always helpful. Um, so they're, they're, 
they're three ways in which I think uh, uh, I try and work it out. Verse 33 says, uh, all these things will be given to you as well. Let me um, go to the verse. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The, all these things seem to be referring to the, the food, the clothing and stuff like that that's come immediately before. Uh, is that saying, if you trust God, then you'll never go without? I, I don't think so. I'm going to hold that question till next week just to make sure you come back. But um, not true. The, uh, I think it comes up actually very squarely when you get to the beginning of Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. Uh, so I, I'd love just to leave that question on slightly on hold. But if you ask that question and you're not going to be around next week, do feel free to come and talk to me uh, afterwards. But otherwise, I'll, I'll hang on to that uh, question. The final one was to do with, if you know Jesus is Lord of all, uh, and so I didn't jot down this question verbatim, but it was along the lines, if you know Jesus is Lord of all, are there thoughts or comments you have about people who do have ongoing mental anxiety uh, or mental illness of various various sorts. Now, uh, th- this is a more complicated sort of area. When people catch up with me, and I think they, they're displaying uh, something which is more medical in that way, I really encourage them strongly to see, see a doctor and get advice on it. So uh, let me say, if that's your situation, that's a smart thing to do and to get advice. Not the only thing to do, but I think it's a good thing to do. Or if you have friends who are in that sort of situation, it is a good thing to do. Um, However, knowing that um, God is who he is does bring a level of uh, confidence and security even in our anxiety, even if that's an endemic thing. There have been so many people that I've come across over the years who've been... Uh, being treated for anxiety or depression or a number of conditions who at different points those conditions have taken over and been very hard to manage and yet who at the same time have been able to hang on to the promises of God even in their inability to be able to do it. Do you you know what I'm saying? There's a sense in which that struggle I take it is the struggle of living in a fallen world where our bodies or our minds don't function the way we'd like them to. Sometimes that's just because of age. This weekend I was saying to Sue, yesterday I've twinged something in my back. Uh, Now, I wish it weren't so, right? Um, But I figure that at this age maybe that's going to happen a little more often, you know? Uh, And that that is life. Sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's mental. It's, It's a product of living in this sort of world and uh, we're, we're to manage those sort of things as best we can with the help we can, but not forgetting that we have a Heavenly Father who cares for us in that way. Okay. There's a lot more I could say about that, but um, uh, yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly good to get wise, godly advice if those are the sort of struggles that you're having. So that, those were the three questions. The one on uh, uh, do we get everything, verse 33, we'll come back to that next week. And uh, if you've got any other questions, do, do feel free to grab me straight after the gathering. That'd be great. Thanks, Jim.